Where are you going, Vane? Back to the cage to plan for tomorrow night. Why? What are we gonna do tomorrow night? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world! To Osiris Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Osiris. Well, hello, everyone, you and out there. This is AJ Osiris, your host of Osiris Uncensored Mind. As I watch my wife make the coolest face ever just now listening to her intro, <laughs> she absolutely hates her intro, but I love it. How the hell is everyone doing out there? I just want to let everybody know right off the back as we begin episode 10. This is the 10th episode, I mean, double digits now. Which means I've been doing this for 10 weeks. Which means I'm an expert already. I've got it all down. No more of that liquid shit. I got everything mapped out exactly the way that I want to do it. But why are shaking your head? No. Uh, it's funny. My, my wife was actually sitting on the couch. You were sitting on the couch for the first episode. You've missed literally all the other ones. <laughs> Uh, but she's been sharing it because she's a lovely wife and she wants to help get her husband's name out there. So there you go. So she's been doing her part. Have you been doing your part? Are you sharing it out? Are you getting the word out on Orsini's Uncensored Mind? I have my doubts. But that's okay because I'm going to have fun here tonight. This is episode 10. I got my wife sitting on the couch chowing down. I got a beer in front of me. Hold on one second. Ah, There you go. I got a beer in front of me. And I got a lot of notes in front of me. Which is something I haven't had in the last few weeks. I had I had a lot of numbers last week. I was doing the the uh, Roman Reigns Grand Slam champion stuff last week. So no numbers this week, but a lot of hot topics that I want to get on. A lot of stuff that I want to discuss. Some of it wrestling, some of it not. So suck it up. I'm going to take a swig right now. Mm. Celebration for the double digits. So first things first. First thing I want to get to is that I'm actually at a limited audience right now. <laughs> in the sense of uh, when I start sharing shit on Facebook. I don't know if, if some of you have been noticing or not, but there's been a purge. I've been purging. I, I, I've been asked some questions recently because apparently some people were trying to add me on Facebook because when I, when I share the show out, I share it with my social media links on the hopes that people will see the social media links and, and, and you know follow me and keep on the updates and, and stuff like that. And I've actually gotten uh, uh, messages every now and then about people who, who tried to add me and they can't. So what they end up doing is following me. So I have like a bunch of follows that are supposed to be ads. And I'm finding out recently that I've hit the maximum 5,000 friends on Facebook, which is kind of cool. And for a split second, I felt like really special about it. I was like 5,000 friends. That's pretty fucking awesome, right? But I, I found out that I, I have actual people who are trying to keep up with this show, trying to add me, and they couldn't. So I decided I was going to go in and just eliminate a few heads, 
just to make some room for the so-called people that, that were asking me about the ads. So I go in to my Facebook, to my friends list to, to you know, delete a few people. I start thinking, well, who? what's the criteria for deletion? Like, how do you determine who gets deleted from, from Facebook? And I started realizing really fast that the criteria is actually pretty plain and simple because I had people on my friends list who haven't touched Facebook since like 2015 that were on my list. I had Facebook friends that were dead. I didn't even realize this. Like for the most part, like there were quite a few people, like I would go on their Facebook to say, hey, is there any activity here? And the last things on their pages are like, oh, rest in peace. I miss you. And it's like 2015, 2016. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't even know this dude was dead. So I started realizing really fast that there's some, there's some open spots available on my Facebook. So I went on and I fucking, I literally started from A. Uh, I started this about a week ago. And the reason why it's taken me a week is because I have other shit in my life to do besides Facebook friends. So it's, it's been about a week. I'm actually down to the lower R's. So if your name is Ryan and you're on my Facebook, uh, I'm looking at you, bro. Like right now, it's where I'm at. So I've gotten down to the R's. I've gone from 5,000, and I think I'm currently at 2,800. I've eliminated like 1,200 people from my Facebook. And it's it's because of death, uh, inactivity. I think some people were adding me for the shits and giggles of adding me because I'll have mutual friends with somebody, but they're not even wrestling fans. They're not wrestling fans. They're not sports fans. Uh, I curse a lot on this show, and I talk a lot. I talk, uh, you know, there's a lot of motherfuckers on this show. So, like, if I had a friend on Facebook that's, like, not a wrestling fan or a sports fan, but it's all about Jesus and about, you know, he's a pastor and he loves his grandchildren and all that shit. Sorry, Paul, but you had to go because you're taking up a spot for all these atheist sinners that I have to have on my Facebook page. You're taking up a spot. So, I've just been evacuating the dead weight, cutting them off, (laughs) one after the other. I'm down to about 2,800, and I got to tell you, it feels right. feels right. When I started purging... I couldn't get on my fucking, like, the more Facebook friends that loaded on my phone, my phone was getting choked up. I have to delete my memory just to continuously go back to delete. Like, it was just eating up data. It was just the weirdest thing. Now that I'm down to 28, 2800, my phone's feeling a little better. My, my Candy Crush is loading faster because it doesn't have 8 million fucking people to load. So we're doing we're doing good. My phone my phone's healthier. It's trimmed down basically in a nutshell. It's lost some weight. It's trimmed down. It's feeling fit. My phone's doing better than I am right now. So so that's my purge right now. So if you're listening to this on the Facebook app, congratulations, you made the cut. If you're not listening to this through the Facebook app, if you're listening through this to Podbean.com, thanks for listening. But uh, you have to shape up if you're going to get back on my page. Because ever since I started deleting people, now I'm getting a lot of ads. Now that I have room, I'm getting a lot of ads. But it's all bullshit. It's spam. It's bots. It's it's people who have like 200 mutual friends, but they don't know me from the sack of shit. They live over in fucking Nevada, and they have like an artificial leg, and they used to be in the Air Force. And it's just random shit. So uh, back in the day, I used to add for the shits and giggles of adding. I, 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 I don't uh, I, I don't take those anymore. Also, side note, a lot of the people that I cut out, unfortunately, are either pro wrestlers or promoters. And the reason why I cut a lot of that shit out is because it, when I first added them or they added me, however the fuck that happened, it was all about networking because Facebook is like, it's a network site. You're supposed to network. You meet people. Hopefully, you get some bookings out of it. Yada, yada, yada. 
But it hardly ever happens that way. I think I, I I really sat down and thought about it. A lot of the bookings that I've gotten over the years was me being aggressive with people trying to get booked on the show and people seeking me out to be on the show. I've never once done a, a, a Facebook comment on somebody's page and I'm like, wow, this guy's really talented. We should book him. It's literally never happened. So I just started shredding the fat, man. A bunch of guys that just don't give a shit about my career. And quite frankly, I don't give a shit about theirs. So let's just uh, let's just go our separate ways and, 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 and make some room for the real people. So I'm, I'm on the lookout right now. I'm, I've purged all the dead weight. I'm looking for new fresh faces. I want people to join up. Sign up to join the Army of O. Get on Facebook, okay? Add me right now. Follow me on the Twitter, okay? Hit me on the IG. Those are the three main ones and the only ones that I really use. I actually have a Tumblr, but I only really have the Tumblr to share shit. I think I explained this a few episodes back. I literally just have it because they said it'd be, it would help with the with the uh, circulation of the show. So I, I don't really put too much on it except for maybe the episodes and a few random pictures here and there. But if you happen to be on Tumblr, that's a way to check me out as well. So let's get into the real shit we're here to talk about today. And uh, it's funny that my wife is sitting here because she was one of the ones that I was talking to about this not so long ago. So I, Jurassic World trailer hit this past week. I'm a big Jurassic Park fan, always have been, probably always will be, and I'll probably still see this one too. But I could not help but feel like with I, on the podcast I said that Thor Ragnarok scared me. This one, this trailer did not scare me. This trailer pissed me off. I was I was visibly angry at this fucking trailer. I think this fucking trailer. And I know it's just a teaser. It's not the actual trailer trailer yet. Where we're gonna get the information about the plot and all that other stuff. I'm still I'm I'm reserving something left for that. But just based on the teaser alone, I don't like this fucking movie at all. Nothing about this piece of shit makes any fucking sense to me. And shoehorning Malcolm back into this situation, Jeff Goldblum back into this movie for admittingly five seconds, because Jeff Goldblum went on did an interview not too long ago where he literally said he's only in the movie for like five fucking seconds. So the fact that he's a part of the promotional tools is fucking disgusting, because he's not in this movie for very long. So you're teasing the old school fans like myself with garbage, essentially, because none of this plot makes any sense. I don't give a fuck about Blue the Velociraptor. I don't give a fuck about this mysterious volcano that just suddenly uh, uh, developed over this island and is now about to make the dinosaurs extinct for a second fucking time. I mean, that's record setting. Two, two-time extinction selections. How many species get two shots at this? None. None. That's how dumb the dinosaurs are. They had two chances. God made them, if you believe in that sort of thing. right? I'll, I'll, I'm, for the sake of argument, I'm going with the theoretical theory here. God made dinosaur. God killed dinosaur. Man made dinosaur. God tries to kill him again. God has it out for dinosaurs is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay? None of this trailer makes any sense. I could go into the specifics, but my fucking head will explode if I do. I don't like the fact that all of a sudden we're now we're now we're having a philosophical debate about the lives of dinosaurs. At what point? This entire franchise has been built around the whole idea that this is that the dinosaurs are property, merchandise. It's always been the discussion. Always. We made that quite clear in part two. That these things these things are fucking property, not animals. They've been engineered by man. This is about as clear a debate as there's ever been. If you want to have a conversation about the sanctity of life with conchords or the dodo bird or beluga whales or whatever the fuck is going extinct nowadays, you want to have a philosophical debate about that, that's fine. They were created by nature. These things are fucking man-made creations. 
What the fuck are we having any kind of activistic conversation about? A volcano's gonna kill him. Okay, go back to the lab and make another one. That's how we fucking got here in the first place, right? They weren't here anymore. They were dead. We created them again. Now, if you're saying, well, it's, a very, it's not very cost-effective, you already have dinosaurs, just ship them to another fucking island. Okay, but then what? Where do you put these fucking things that they don't cost massive fucking destruction? I was having an argument online about this with one of my buddies. Well, they didn't really cause much destruction if you really think about it. They were acting on instinct when they killed those humans. The humans were the ones doing stupid shit. Fair enough. They were doing stupid shit. They were killed none the fucking less, weren't they? He was bringing up the argument about other animals. Elephants kill more people a day than fucking uh, dinosaurs do. Fair enough. Then kill the fucking elephants then. Put that motherfucker down. I don't give a shit. That's my whole problem with this whole fucking thing. I'm not invested at all in the lives of these fucking dinosaurs. The dinosaurs have been the villains in this movie the entire fucking time. They're the villains. Why the fuck would I give a shit if natural, natural disasters kill them off again? Because blue will be sad? Fuck blue. I don't give a fuck about blue. Fuck blue in the face. I don't give a shit about blue. Ah, this whole trailer just pissed me off. I wanted to get that off my fucking chest here and now. Because I know certain people who do listen to this podcast always bitch at me when I talk about trailers. How I'm always wishy-washy. No wishy-washy on this one. It fucking sucked. I don't like this fucking trailer. And I hope I don't end up disliking this movie. The first one was okay. I didn't have a problem with it. Made a shitload of money. Did really well. Warranted a sequel. So, hey, fuck it. Anything can, that puts money in Chris Pratt's fucking pocket, I'm good for it. Guy's a good fucking dude. That'll make some fucking money. So, that's my thoughts here. Jurassic, Jurassic World was the falling kingdom. The falling, the falling kingdom. How conceited are you? The falling kingdom. Now it's a kingdom. I thought it was a fucking island. <sighs> fucking Jurassic World. Fuck Jurassic World. And speaking of Chris Pratt, when he's not fighting dinosaurs, he's... Wrapped in a magenta leather jacket fighting space criminals out in space and Guardians of the Galaxy, which is owned by who? Marvel, which is owned by who? Disney. Now let's talk Disney slash Fox. Have to talk about this. I already brought it up once on the podcast. I brought it up when the initial conversation started. When I brought it up the first time, uh, the conversations had started, but they died out. The conversations had gone still. As a matter of fact, Fox was talking to Disney. Disney got quiet. They decided to put the talks on hold, but then Fox started talking to Comcast. Now, before I go on any further with this, the Comcast deal to me makes more sense than the Disney deal. If I'm Fox. If I'm Fox, Comcast makes more sense. But I don't think Comcast has the pockets that Disney has. Because I'm looking over my notes here. Everything that Fox is trying to sell. All right, talks have progressed and the deal could be announced as early as next week's uh, sources tell CNBC. The enterprise value of the Fox assets and the debt and the deal is seen as more than sixty billion dollars. Fox is trying to sell sixty billion dollars worth of media and material, and they're trying to do this. I'm going to safely assume that sixty billion dollar figure came from Fox. They are the ones who are probably setting that price tag. I don't think people would be sharing out the negotiation numbers. That has to be the price tag they're setting. $60 billion. And that's $60 billion not including, I'll read the rest here, Fox would sell movie and television production assets and keep its news, sports, 
and broadcast networks. They have to keep those information, um, those three entities, because of the whole monopoly thing when it comes to television. That's the FCC's uh, whole deal. But they would be able to purchase movie and television production assets, which means the FX network and all of its sub networks, the National Ge- National Geographic uh, channel, and as far as the television, uh, uh, the movie rights. Let's just talk about the movie rights you actually give a shit about, okay? And what you actually give a shit about are the three major franchises, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Deadpool. With the purchase, Disney would have access to these to these entities, okay? And that's what everyone's jizzing their fucking pants about. Personally, I would also like to see that happen because I would love to see the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Deadpool be involved in everything that's going Maybe not Deadpool. I like the fact that Deadpool was R-rated. For some reason, if Disney gets its hands on it, I don't see them getting X-rated with Deadpool. And even if they did, they're probably going to get a gigantic Woody and try to shoehorn Deadpool into something involving with the Avengers, which would completely nullify the R rating. They can't do anything Avenger-related that's going to be R-rated. You can't mix with that mix. It's a billion-dollar mix. You can't mess with that. Deadpool did well, but not... Two point whatever whatever billion Avengers did. So you're looking at a PG thirteen Ryan Reynolds, which is useless to everybody. Okay, so with Disney now back into negotiations, Comcast now by uh, has bailed out, which means that that's probably where that sixty billion dollar price tag comes in. If Comcast took a fucking seat, that means Disney. That's why everyone's so excited because it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point that Fox is going to make the sale. I have one question, and it's not a, it's a rhetorical question. I can't really, I legitimately just want an answer. Why the fuck would they sell in the first place? Are they losing money? Is business down? What would be the point? Or did Disney just show interest in, in, in buying it and Fox is just inflating the numbers? Well, fuck it. They won't buy it for $60 million, surely. Weird game of money chicken? I don't know. But what ends up happening here is that if Disney does come through with this deal, they would pretty much monopolize a lot of the most important shit going on right now in movies and television. Disney would own just about, what, 75%, we can say safely, of whatever the fuck is on your TV. And they would probably do more money than anybody else in, in the movie theater for the next 20 years if they make this sale. $60 billion is, is a lot of fucking money, but it's probably going to be on the cheap compared to, I mean, so you, you figure $60 billion for that sale. Avengers uh, 1 did 2 point something billion. I mean, that's a, one movie. That's one fucking movie making it into the billions category. One. Avengers got very close. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Age of Ultron got very close. I, I believe also either one billion or close to it. And now Infinity War, people are already predicting Infinity War alone might even surpass the first fucking movie. They're, they're aiming for Avatar money, is what Infinity War is doing. And now we know, now we know that the secret is out. Now we know why they backtrack so heavily on that part too. Because the initial Phase 3 announcement had Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. It was broken up, you know, Harry Potter style. It was broken up. 2018 would be Part 1. 2019 would be Part 2. Okay? They have since backed off on that. It's no longer Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. This is in the movie coming out this May. is Avengers Infinity War. End of discussion. And then the fourth movie, as of right now, is literally labeled Avengers 4. That's it. It's just an unknown title and now we know why 
Now we know why they didn't go through with their plans to film both movies at the same time. Now we know why they've been putting off production on all the other Phase 4 movies. Now we know why everything's taking place. Because if they get their hands on this project, uh, excuse me, if they get their hands on this uh, these entities, on X-Men, Fantastic Four, and, Dead, and Deadpool, that blows everything out of the fucking water. Whatever their fucking plans were, it's gone. It's scrapped. Now, I don't think... Kevin Feige is dumb enough to blow his load on one fucking movie. I think if you get your hands on X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Deadpool, there's no fucking way you put all of those entities all into the same fucking film. No fucking way. But Wolverine, like certain X-Men, certain members of the Fantastic Four, which is going to be tough to explain because fucking Captain America is fucking Johnny Storm on the Fantastic Four. And I know what you're thinking. Well, he's not the only Johnny Storm. Michael B. Jordan played the other one. But he's on Black Panther now. So who the fuck plays? They have to recast the whole fucking thing. Like they did fucking Spider-Man. All, all, all previous Johnny Storms currently have jobs with the MCU. So now they'd have to completely rehaul the whole thing. Again. They'd have to, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is pretty much married to Deadpool as his. So you'd have to definitely bring him in. Hugh Jackman is already on paper saying he'd love to come back as Wolverine if they do the X-Men with the Avengers. So much for that Logan retirement. Patrick Stewart also said the same thing. He'd come back as Xavier if needed. I don't think he's needed, though. I love, I like James McAvoy as, as, a, as a Professor X. I don't know if I want Patrick Stewart. As much as I love, I love me some Patrick Stewart. I love me some Stewie, but no. I James McAvoy. He's my guy right now, James McAvoy. All right, so there's a lot of question marks still. I saw some things online about people being excited about the deal. It's not It's not an official deal. They have not uh, made that official. Uh, it's still in talks, but the feel that people are getting right now is it's as good as fucking done. So that should be, that some, should be something to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm going to keep on this, and, and if anything else pops up, about it, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it here, but I'm, I'm nervous as all hell. I, I don't like monopolies. I don't like when one entity pretty much controls everything. I'm not a fan of that. If we're going to get some good movies out of it, sure, why not? Cool, but man, I mean, so many things can go wrong when one, when one man wields all that power. When you're the CEO of, of Disney, I mean, you've got to be drunk. You have got to literally have... Toilet paper on your private plane made specifically of hundred dollar bills, like and, and then you have extras like in the cupboards, and the cupboards are stacks and stacks of hundred dollar bills waiting to be used for your buttocks. That's that's how much money you make when you're with Disney. So that's that. We'll keep an eye on that. Another thing that we have to keep our eye on. We're gonna start steering into the wrestling stuff now. I, I'm not the biggest, and I've said this before, I'm not the biggest New Japan pro wrestling guy. I'm not. It's it, I've seen some matches that I'm that I liked. I've seen some matches I did not like. I'm actually glad that my wife is here because she can vouch for it. We actually sat through, me and my wife sat through Wrestle Kingdom 9, which is their WrestleMania show. We were up to what? One, two in the morning watching this shit? Shit was like a 17-hour fucking show. It had like 18 fucking matches on it. The first four matches were like 10-man scrambles or some shit like that. Now, when it got to the end, 
it got nice. The show was, you know, the, the main events were great. They always delivered. Kota Ibushi is one of my favorites. Obviously, Shinsuke was one of my favorites till he came to the WWE. I, I like Okada. I like Omega. And I've said it here on the show. Great match earlier this year. Six stars is a little much. <laughs> Six stars is a little much. Uh, and I actually put it on, on social media today. I'm trying to get ideas here for uh, an end of the year award thing, you know, match of the year, performer of the year, female uh, performer of the year. And that Okada Omega match is getting a lot of love. So I may I may have to include it in my uh, in my final my final slot here, even though it's it's not my favorite match of the year. But if it's going to be the popular vote, then it's going to be the popular vote. I'm thinking about doing it two ways, my votes and then your votes, just so we can have a little. A little difference uh, of opinion here, because I think I'm going to have a difference of opinion of a lot of people when it comes to who's who's been the best this year. But let's stick to New Japan for just a second, because obviously at the tip of everyone's tongue, the program that everyone's talking about, the one that everyone's excited for, Chris Jericho, back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not a tease. It's not a. It's not a what if. It's for real. And if you didn't believe it was for real with the countdown video, uh, him being in Japan, him making that appearance just the other day, attacking Kenny Omega, doing what he did, uh, that shit's fucking official. Uh, that's that's not even uh, or what kind of a situation are we going to have. Wrestle Kingdom, and I know people compare it to WrestleMania. They say, wait, so Wrestle Kingdom is, is New Japan's WrestleMania. I don't really compare the two. I think I think they're both very good shows for what they are. Uh, I'm always I've obviously attached to WrestleMania. It's my holy day. My 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 day of worship is WrestleMania. But New Japan has an amazing show with an amazing company over in Japan, and I I don't I just don't like the comparison between the two. There really are two different shows, and any real fan of New Japan will probably tell you that, and they would probably be insulted if you compared it to fucking WrestleMania. But Chris Jericho's back. Um, they said it on the on the show. Uh, it had been about twenty years since Chris Jericho had done anything in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He had made a few tours uh, outside of the New Japan promotion, not just with WWE but other promotions as well. Um, they they said about twenty years, and he has he has made it official. He's there. So with, so for those of you living under the rock, let's set it up from the beginning here. Kenny Omega right now is probably one of their one of their if not the top stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, Okada is the champion, so you'll give him the nod. But for the most part, Kenny's really doing some great work over there. He's the first ever and current IWGP United States Champion, and he's been doing some great shit with that belt and, and putting it on the line against Gaijin and and Japanese homegrown stars. And he's been having some great matches. So Russell Kingdom Twelve is coming up. January 4th, same pl- same place, same time, Tokyo Dome. And uh, they usually sell that bitch out every Wrestle Kingdom from what I hear. I, I have my doubts from when I saw Wrestle Kingdom 9, but I'll take the uh, I'll take the Mark's word for it. They usually do a great house for Wrestle Kingdom. And I don't think they're concerned about the house. I don't think this matchup is for the house. I think Wrestle Kingdom sells itself. I think this matchup is, and, and I'm, I may be speaking out of the duh school here, but I think this matchup is for the subscriptions. I really do. Because for the first time in my life, I actually considered it. I'm not going to do it, but I did consider it for a quick minute. I did honestly consider 
All right. This is a pretty big matchup. Kenny Omega right now is as hot as anybody in the business. Chris Jericho is Chris Jericho. He's a GOAT. He's one of the best of all time or one of the greatest of all time. And these two colliding, I have my doubts. I've seen this guy, Chris Jericho, go into the ring with some great athletes in the WWE and just look, I don't know, off, slow. You know, we've had the, we've had the joke going around, you know, Grandpa Jericho, you know, and, and I just, I don't want... I don't, I don't want him to be embarrassed. But then, that, that was my thought when I saw the video, the initial video. So, okay, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega's coming. I don't know, man. Omega's playing on a different level right now. He's he's on a different level from a lot of active guys right now, full-time active guys, let alone uh, Chris Jericho. So to see Chris Jericho come back and do the video, I was like, yes, uh, that's, a, that's a great matchup. If done right, it's a great matchup. And... And that was it. And I just thought, man, I don't know. It's, uh, Kenny's on a whole other level right now. I, I don't know if Jericho's keeping up. And I must not have been the only one that thought that. Because now we fast forward. Kenny Omega, post-match, he helps the Bullet Club with a with a big matchup against Rapungi. And uh, actually, wait, was it? Uh, oh, it was a trios match. Rapungi, 3K, and Rocky Romero. Uh, when Another Jericho video appeared on the screen. Okay, so we're doing the mock clap. We're talking about how he's going to beat his ass, yada, 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 yada. We go back to the ring, and Kenny's looking up at the screen, and standing behind Kenny Omega is the Alpha. Not Y2J, the Alpha, Chris Jericho. And then, boom, Kenny walks around. uh, Excuse me, Kenny turns around, hit quick with the code breaker. He gets dropped, okay? So he he starts putting the beating on him. He takes the United States Championship belt. He's beating him in the head with it. Bloody mess. We've got some color here from Kenny Omega. I don't know if I've ever seen color on Kenny Omega before. I don't really take him for much of a bleeder. But this feud definitely called for it. I could tell uh, the whole room just got serious when this happened. I guess that's the beauty of not doing it all the time, which is a conversation for another day. God, I hate that shit. But it worked great here. And he, he... Codebreaker, U.S. title, bloody heap. All of a sudden, we got a referee coming in. He gets it. One of the young boys comes in. He gets it. I mean, Jericho is just going ape shit here. And then uh, all of a sudden, the one of the English commentators, Don Callis, better known to WWE fans as Jackal from back in the day, he's he's doing some big things behind the scenes, and he's he's actually being the one credited. Chris Jericho is actually uh, the one crediting Don. For bringing him into New Japan. And he lays him out. Jericho lays out Callus in the middle of the ring. Uh, Cold Breaker puts him down. Callus does the stretcher job. He gets pulled out. I mean, Jericho comes off looking like a serious badass. This is not uh, the Grandpa Jericho we we all know and love from the WWE. Taking a backseat to Owens. And, and, and he's not talking about lists. And nothing. No, he's... He came into the ring and he beat the shit out of Kenny Omega. And there was a little awkward exchange with the Bucks. Like they got in there real quick and I think they had like weapons in their hands or whatever. Jericho just, Jericho couldn't powder fast enough. I guess he just kind of got caught by a surprise. But this whole Jericho Omega situation is, is, I don't know, it's got me in a weird place because it's, I haven't seen Jericho like this in a long time. I, I think he just, I think he looks better. I think he feels better. 
I, I really think he's happy to, to, to change some shit up. Now, I know he had the uh, the loyalty angle thing going for a while there. I mean, he had a lot of opportunities to do shit outside of the WWE before uh, when he was not on contract. You know, he had some TNA opportunities. Back when TNA mattered, he had some TNA opportunities. He's had some Ring of Honor opportunities. He's had some chances here, but he always considered himself a WWE guy. He treats himself like a top dog, and, and that's kind of what happens. But now... Now he's doing some shit with New Japan. You can take a swig real quick. Mm. Now he's doing the deal with New Japan. And he's starting off with Kenny Omega. This is going to be a real test. See if Grandpa Jericho can keep up. I will eat my words. If he, if, listen, if Jericho can go in there with a performer, the caliber of a Kenny Omega, and come out with a 25 30 minute exhibition that that really cements this guy's fucking legacy i'm gonna have a hard time not including chris jericho in that all-time conversation i really am because before the wwe he was already a world traveler before he got there then to go to the wwe and be as successful as he was for as long as he was because that's my argument when it comes to when you talk about great to me you got to be great for a long period of time the longer the better that's included in great to me. I mean, you could have an amazing four or five year career, but if you only had it for four or five years, I'm always going to give the nod to the guy that did it 2025. I just always am. And I think that's just the, 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 the worker in me just having respect for the person that, that sacrificed for as long as they did. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin had a hell of a fucking run. But even Steve will tell you, I didn't have the run that a lot of guys had because I got hurt. My career got cut short. So there are a lot of people out there that really consider Stone Cold one of the greatest of all time. I'm in that list, but he won't consider himself because he didn't have the run. There were a lot of guys that he worked against that had the run. You know, the Bret Hart's, the Ric Flair's of the world, they they had runs for a long time, which was something he should have had, but the fact is, is he didn't. So it's the same deal here. You know, Jericho... Jericho's been doing this a long fucking time. And I know he's been taking a lot of breaks recently in the last few years. But even fucking still, whenever he comes back, he is instrumental. He he makes a, an impact every fucking time. So this is going to be a great opportunity for Chris Jericho. It's going to be a great opportunity for Kenny Omega. And the reason why I say this is because I, I'm not a proponent of coming to the WWE simply to come to the WWE. I used to be. When I was a kid and I wasn't in the business and I just didn't know any better, I just always assumed the WWE was the end-all, be-all. I just assumed everybody in this business would give their left nut or their left OV to be in the WWE. Ever since I joined the business, ever since I, ever since I started working in the business full-time, I've learned a, a, a heavy lesson in being careful of what you wish for. Because I have heard a lot of stories from a lot of guys that really wanted to fucking be there and then got there and were fucking miserable. And then they come back to the indies or to, you know, the more intimate shows, the spot shows, outlaw shows as the old the old guard calls them. And man, their fucking stories are horrific. You should listen to some of the shit these guys say. It's it's kind of terrifying, really. So I'm not a big proponent of going to the WWE specifically just to go. And I don't get the vibe from Kenny 
that he really wants to fucking be there. I really feel, and I and I might agree with this feeling, that if he went to the WWE, they'd have no fucking clue how to use him. And he might be right. Kenny's kind of an out there, he's kind of an out there personality. Look at the shit that he's done. I mean, yes, you can hold the, the blow-up doll against him. You can hold the nine-year-old girl against him. Those, those were bad fucking decisions. I know that he was doing whatever he had to do to pay dues and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, those were bad fucking decisions. And now that he's making such a great run, it's shit like that that really put a fucking damper on on the great shit he's doing now. Because he's he's doing great shit right now. He's having great matches. He's telling great stories in Japan. You know, so it's not like, you know, he's a Canadian at, at birth. He's been raised in Canada. But I've recently noticed he seems at least mildly fluent in the language he speaks japanese he speaks in english to the audience he's having great matches with literally everyone he's hot he's hot right now but then you have that resume of all that other shit and it it puts a damper on it so this i think this matchup with jericho while he doesn't really want to go to the wwe i think this matchup with jericho is going to prove a lot because if he can go in there with a guy like chris who is you know not in his prime but still very physically and capable to go and knows how to perform not only in a, in a wrestling ring in America or in the WWE but he knows how to perform in a Japanese ring he's been there before now i know it's been a long time the people that Jericho wrestled in front of 20 years ago are not in the audience now and just like american audiences the japanese audience has evolved somewhat as well there's a reason that all these guys all of a sudden i mean most of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster now is, is so many Americans, it's ridiculous. There never used to be this many. And they all got belts, which is even scarier. So this is going to be a great opportunity for Kenny to prove that he can go in there with a WWE guy, a high-level WWE guy, and still put on a performance that, while maybe different from the usual match that he has, can still be a great, fun, entertaining fucking match. He's not getting into the ring with Jericho and pulling off the shit that he did with Okada. No fucking way. They have to have a different type of match, and they will. It's still going to be a great fucking match. I think they're going to be able to go in there, methodically work that audience into a frenzy, get to that big payoff at the end, and boom, they're going to have a classic match. But if you're expecting these two to just fucking fight or to just run spot after spot, that's not going to fucking happen. Not between Kenny and not between Chris. Chris is a smart, savvy veteran. He's going to give Kenny the kind of match that Kenny, in my opinion, needs. He needs to be able to go in there and put on a match without all the gimmicks, without 15 V-triggers without 13 one-winged angels. He needs to be able to go in there and tell a story and be able to give you a match that you can enjoy without murdering himself. If he can do that, then he's going to be in the conversation uh, for a while of, of great performers in the world today. He already considers himself the best wrestler in the world. He has a long line of fans that are right there with him that agree with him. But this match, in my opinion, is going to help prove that because he's going to get a different type of match from Chris Jericho. A different match that he gets from Okada, a different match that he gets from Naito, a different match that he gets from Suzuki, a different match that he gets from Tanahashi, and definitely a different match that he gets from Ibushi. He's going to get a different match 
than he's ever gotten from any of those guys. Tanahashi may be the closest because the ace can do that. He can dig into his bag of trips, uh, tricks and give you a, a very methodical, technical storytelling match. He tends not to, depending on the opponent, but he can. And I know that Omega is kind of a 200-mile-per-hour performer, but if he can give you the same value at half the speed, that's going to go a long way, not just for his career, but for his bank account. Because now we can put trust in him that he's not going to burn out. He can get into the ring, work smart, and have great matches. Then I will give him six stars. If he can go in there with Chris Jericho and do it the right way, man, that's going to be a dangerous, a dangerous fucking time. All right, so Jericho and Omega, again, that's going to be January 4th at Wrestle Kingdom 12 on, uh, on New Japan World on their network. You can get the subscription information by Googling that. I'm not a, they're not a paid sponsor of mine, so I'm going to sit here and plug the shit out of their social media all goddamn day. But that's how that goes. So, I'm going to take another swig here. Mm. Bit of the alcohol. Very nice. So now that I'm talking about all these different things that aren't me, let's talk a little bit about me. <laughs> the host of the motherfucking show. So, once again, my name is AJ Orsini. And for those of you who do not know, uh... I started professionally full-time, full-time. I've had other experiences, but full-time booking every fucking weekend, uh, working in the wrestling business in 2011. Traveled around quite a bit, worked with a lot of fucking people. But uh, one of the biggest and one of the best and one of the most fun uh, places that I have ever worked in my entire fucking life is, uh, in my opinion, uh, the best uh, professional wrestling organization in my hometown of New York City, uh, where I live and where I raise my son and where I have all all of my life right here in New York City, uh, is House of Glory. Hog baby, House of Glory has uh, been in operation since about 2010, um, 2010, 2011. I think it's 2010, and uh, they've been around for for a minute. And uh, and I joined them in uh, 2012, and I worked with them up until last year, which would make it a four-year run. So seven years, they've been in operation. I was with them for four years. Um, and the only reason that my uh, my tenure at House of Glory ended was because of some, some personal things at home that I needed to take care of. I'm actually still taking care of them, which kind of sucks, but and uh, yeah. So I everything ended on good terms. I have no heat whatsoever with House of Glory. From what I understand, they have no heat with me. So that makes what I'm about to do right now um, a little dash of old school flavor. So I used to do, the, I, I opened up this show with a little segment called we, uh, Weekend Warrior where I would plug a local wrestling show and uh, tell you guys all about it. And I haven't done one in a while for two major reasons. One, I just don't feel like plugging just anybody. It has to be a special show and uh, to me. It has to be a good show, a show that I know people are going to enjoy and people are going to have fun uh, attending, and it's going to be a memorable experience. I'm not plugging shows for the shits and giggles of plugging, plugging shows because remember, I'm not getting paid to plug any fucking shows. I'm doing this out of the goodness of my fucking heart <laughs> because I want people to go enjoy good damn wrestling. So, 
Uh, I haven't done one in a while. As a matter of fact, I think I've only done the one, which was episode one. So here we are, episode 10. And uh, and here we go again, because House of Glory has their big seventh year anniversary show. They're calling it Hog 7. It's their seventh anniversary show. I have uh, the, had the privilege of calling uh, a lot of great matches at House of Glory. And I, I did that for, for, like I said, four years. Uh, I've called some of their best matches. And I know a lot of the guys there. And I have quite the tie with them. They have been as beneficial to my career as anybody. And their big anniversary show is coming up uh, December 16th at the NYC Arena or Club Amazura. Um, it's a dual name. I don't know how else to explain it. I always had trouble explaining it to people when they were asking for directions. Technically speaking, it's Club Amazura, but we refer to it as the NYC Arena. I, even if you Google it, if you Google NYC Arena, it comes up. So I think they've kind of jumped on the bandwagon, too, of the NYC Arena. But yes, it's called the NYC Arena um, or Club Amazura, depending on how you want to work your GPS. Tickets for this event uh, are on sale now. I don't know how many are left. From what I understand, I believe the first few fucking rows are uh, are sold out. They have like a tier pricing thing, and uh, they already sold out from the first I don't know, first four or five rows. And uh, and there's a lot of freaking rows, too. The building is amazing. It's one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever worked in. I have a ton of pictures um, that I'll be posting on social media soon uh, with me calling those matches or at me just at events doing shit at Club of Missouri. Um, great, beautiful building. And uh, speaking of which, they, they have a lot of special things going on, which is why I wanted to bring attention to this i wanted to talk about this show not just because i have a history with them man but because just in general i i I love talking about great wrestling shows if i had no history with this company i would still be talking about it and my evidence is my first one was capital wrestling i have no connection to capital wrestling at all with the exception of i'm friends with the promoter that's it i have i've never worked for them i did not get paid uh to plug them and i'm not getting paid or Anything for Plug and Hog. I just want to plug them because it's a great fucking show. So uh, the show starts at 6 p.m., but you're going to want to get there earlier. The reason for that is because they're doing a meet and greet at 4 p.m. at Club on Missouri. They're doing a meet and greet with uh, uh, a lot of their stars. They have special guests coming, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, They have have, uh, the TRL title fight. I'm going to get into that in a little bit, too. I'll explain what the hell that is. Uh, but their biggest uh, surprise, well, not really a surprise, he's been advertised for forever, but one of the biggest uh, 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 things that you can experience at Hog on December 16th, they have a special guest coming for that uh, for that meet and greet. A uh, very special guest. I wonder if I can find a way to... Who is that guest? Woo! Absolutely yes. The Nature Boy will be in the house at Club Amazora at the NYC Arena. That is no joke, folks. The 16-time world champion, father of current WWE SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Ric Flair will be in the building. 
He will be a part of that meet and greet at 4 p.m. He will also be a part of the show in some capacity, I am sure. No superstar. And I've done a lot of shows with House of Glory. Rob Van Dam, Ray Mysterio. We've done a lot of meet and greets. Well, not we, them. I can't include myself in that anymore. But they've done a lot of meet and greets uh, where the person comes at a certain time to do the autographs. And then uh, people just assume they're gone. And then they, they're back and they're doing something else with the show. And, and I'm sure Ric Flair will have more uh, of a role than just signing some autographs. He's he's going to have pictures. He's going to have merch. And he's going to do something with that show. I'm, I'm pr- I promise you. Hog's got something up to his sleeve. They always... Bust out the the cool shit for these big shows. Uh, as far as the card goes, uh, so far we have uh, uh, the last man standing match between uh, Cash Flow Ken Broadway uh, against Leroy Green. For those of you who are unaware, Ken Broadway used to be a part of a, a group called Cash Flow, and uh, you know Ken was the leader and he had a lot of you know uh, compatriots to it. And Leroy Green was a young, uh, not to steal a New Japan term, but he was kind of one of the young boys that Ken was bringing along. There were some moral issues going on between the two, and Ken started with the bullying, and Leroy Green didn't want to stand for it. And eventually, the man grew a set, stood up for himself. I'm happy for Leroy. Uh, I've been a Leroy guy since the beginning. Love that kid. Uh, but Ken's taken that problem, I guess you could say, that he has with Leroy a little too far. And his little Mexican jumping bean buddy, Matt Travis, a, a, buddy, a former buddy of mine, I should say. Uh, they've had problems with Leroy for, I don't know, well over a year now. So it looks like it's finally culminating, finally coming to an end. Cam Broadway versus Leroy Green, last man standing match. That's going to go down December 16th. We have uh, the MTV TRL title fight. Uh, for those of you who have not been keeping up with TRL and MTV, and why would you? Because I don't know reasons. But for those of you who have not been keeping up with it, shame on you because they've been showcasing some very interesting stuff. One of which is they actually had House of Glory's very own caveman on the show, and he went one-on-one with the lifeguard in a gimmick situation and caveman walked out the mtv trl title champ uh, T- uh with the trl title fight title title fight i can't what the hell is this thing called mtv trl title that's what i'm calling it okay and they're gonna have a fight an actual match caveman and lifeguard where that championship will be on the line I don't know if it's sanctioned in a real championship, but doggone it, it's going to be on the line as Caveman goes against Lifeguard. I love the Caveman. I love him very much. He's a very confused individual. Quick story about the Caveman. Uh, I I actually have a a hog story with the Caveman. Uh, We had a little situation, and this is a a little behind the curtain, but we had a little situation with some traffic. I do believe it was... I do believe it was the the... Rob Van Dam show. We, we did a show with Rob Van Dam where Rob Van Dam was going to go against the Amazing Red. Awesome match. Uh, but uh, Rob was stuck in a little bit of traffic. So we wanted to we wanted to start the show a little late. And we needed to buy some time. And I was doing some things in the ring, trying to keep the crowd entertained. It's what I do. I entertain. And I, I was just trying to do my thing. And uh, some of the boys were walking around the ring trying to keep the fans, you know, into what we were doing. A caveman's walking around. And, uh, and we start, he starts dancing, like bopping or whatever. Because, you know, the, DJ's, the DJ was playing music. And he just starts bopping. And there's this little kid in the front row who's kind of who's bopping with him. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, what was that song? Whippin' Nene. The Whippin' Nene comes on, and the kid starts doing the Whippin' Nene. So he starts doing the Whippin' Nene, and Caveman's just looking at him like he's fucking crazy. Like he doesn't know how to, we doesn't know what to make of it. So so I hop out of the ring, and I start talking to the kid, and I said, "Hey, got some slick moves here. Uh, would you be interested in trying to teach Caveman how to do the Whippin' Nene?" And the kid was all about it. He's like, yeah, definitely do that. So the kid comes over the rail, and we literally do 15 or 20 minutes of <laughs> this kid teaching Caveman how to whip a nene. And actually pulls it off. He actually does it at the end, and the fucking building erupts. The place goes nuts. It was an awesome moment. It, that building had a lot, of, a lot of people in it. It was a packed house that night, and I just remember feeling so great. That this kid got a moment um, in front of all those people. It wasn't shy at all, by the way. There had to be like over a thousand people. Hog pulls in a big, a big crowd uh, for New York anyway. But it's a big, it's a big crowd, and they always have great houses. And that was that particular one was pretty cool because uh, we were able to give this kid like you know ten, fifteen minutes of of infamy in that building. He was the talk of the whole night. Uh, so that was a great moment. I love the caveman for that. Uh, caveman was good for that kind of stuff. He was a very family friendly guy, but he can also be really mean when he turns it on. So hopefully he turns it on. Uh, the main event for this show is for the House of Glory World Heavyweight Championship, and and I know they, I know that I call it the Heavyweight Championship. They don't call it the Heavyweight Championship. They call it the House of Glory Championship. Um, it's a problem that I had when I was on commentary because I would constantly call it the heavyweight championship because to me it is, and it is a world title. I know they, that's also thrown around a lot, but a lot of guys, um, a lot of fans don't realize that House of Glory championship is indeed a world travel title. Um, its original ch- champion, Ricochet, took that belt all over the world, and we've had a few champions uh, since that have done the same, EC3, uh, took that belt with him back to Impact Wrestling, and I mean it's been around. That championship has been around, so uh, it it is, it, uh, in my opinion, a recognized world title. And the confusion with the heavyweight stuff. Well, not every heavyweight wins the title, so we leave it at championship. In my opinion, and and it's just my opinion. It's why I I say it, and I don't encourage anyone else to say it unless you believe it. Uh, to me, it's 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 a heavyweight championship. If you're the champion. And you're prepared to go against uh, any and all comers of that weight division. You're a heavyweight champion. Now I know Amazing Red himself is not a heavyweight, but I've seen him defend that championship against several heavyweights. So you're in the heavyweight division in my in my eyes. You know, so you're you're the world's heavyweight champion. Amazing Red to me right now is the world's heavyweight champion. Now, the Amazing Red is the world champion, and it's for it's for the title. He'll be defending against Zack Sabre Jr. Now, Zack Sabre Jr. is a, is a bit of a mystery to me because I, I wasn't the biggest fan of his for a long time. He has quickly, um, quickly, this overnight, just won me the fuck over. He's just an amazing, an amazing athlete. His timing is impeccable. His technique is impeccable. And boy, did he dodge a bullet and a half not signing that 205 Live contract. Boy, boy, did he dodge a bullet, a real bullet. He dodged it, man. He made a great career choice. He's got a lot of time left. Uh, he's still young. He's got a lot left to do. 
He doesn't need to be the WWE. It goes back to what I was saying before about going to the WWE for shits and giggles. It's not needed. Do whatever it is you feel like you need to do. And he's doing it. So congrats to that. He's going to be in the main event of this show uh, against the Amazing Red. Not his debut. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., he's been here before. He's fought some of Hog's best, man. He's been in there with uh, with Broadway. I believe he was in there with Gangone. So he, he's got some Hog experience. This is going to be an interesting match. Speaking of which, they had a late-breaking announcement as of yesterday. Yeah, late-breaking. This happened yesterday. Uh, the wrestling god, Anthony Gangone, uh, the only Grand Slam champion in House of Glory history. This guy's one of the most decorated performers in this company. He's been here since day one. Anthony Gangone, I've said it on commentary a thousand times. Anthony Gangone was the original student. <laughs> there was House of Glory... There was Red, there was Brian, and then there was Gangone. Like he's been literally there since day one. So it's not just the seventh anniversary for House of Glory, it's the seventh anniversary for Anthony Gangone as well. And he's gonna go one on one with the superhero Monty. And I don't know if Gangone is gonna be that focused on Monty. Uh, I just mentioned a second ago, Red is the champion. Red beat Gangone for that title. And I know Gang- that is not sitting well at all. With Anthony Gangone, and I'm sure for the seventh anniversary, he is not happy where he's positioned. I think he knows for a fact that he should have been in that final match with Zack Sabre Jr. for the championship. And he may take that out on Monty. Now, for Monty on his side, this is a big opportunity for Monty. I know the Super Savages were a big deal. I had a little bit of uh, uh, something to do with that tag team a long time ago. I have my history with them. I love those guys as a team. But the New York Wrecking Crew did exactly what they're named to do, and that's wreck. They wrecked all of that. And they kept their tag team championship, and the Savages are done. They are no longer a team. Hence why Caveman is in one mansion, Monty's in another. So the team thing is in the past. This is an opportunity for Monty to prove himself as a, as a performer on his own. And he's going against one of the best of all time. He's in there with one of the best House of Glory wrestlers of all time in Anthony Gangone. So if Monty wants to be in that upper echelon, this is his chance to prove it. He's got to get in there and he's got to beat Anthony Gangone. So this is this House of Glory show, Hog 7, December 16th. You can go to uh, houseofgloryrestling.net uh, to learn about all the different things going on with House of Glory. You can get information on their school, which is an amazing, no pun intended, an amazing school. Um, I tell people all the time, the House of Glory Wrestling School is not just for people who want to be wrestlers. I tell people all the time, even if you're a wrestler, pay the money and, and just learn from these people. Because it, it, Red and, and Brian just have an amazing sense for this business. They always have. They, they have. They've been in this business, I mean, what? We're looking at almost two decades now. And not only have they left their mark as performers, but they're leaving it now as promoters. And I, I used to have this conversation with Red all the time. Uh, I, I started off as a fan. And my wife's favorite wrestler when we first started dating, because she wasn't really much of a fan until she met me, her favorite wrestler when she first started wrestling with me was Red. She liked the fact that he was little and jumped around and was super athletic. And, and, and he was always one of my favorite performers as well when I was a fan. And then you fast forward all these years later, and now I'm working for him. And that's that was amazing for me. Not not just as a professional, but as as a as a person, as a fan, to be able to go under the tutelage of, of Red and and for Brian as well. 
Brian was also another guy that I always used to look at, and I used to always just say to myself, "This this guy just this he doesn't know how to have a bad match. He just would go in there and just have these amazing matches with Red and Divine and Storm and the SATs and just the whole group, the whole stable." I, I've I've told this story in, in interviews before in the past. The match that made me want to join the wrestling business, the match that I saw that made me want to be in the indies was that infamous six-man tag from back in the day, the original SAT, Jose, Joel, and Red against uh, Divine, Storm, and, and, and XL. And and that, that to me, is one of my favorite six-man uh, tag team matches of all time. It's one of my favorite indie matches of all time, and it was the match that really pushed me. So my original trek into this business was with the SATs, and then I went from the SATs to XL and Red. So that's... I mean that's fucking full circle shit, man. That really is, and it, and that shit didn't come easy. I had to fucking work at House of Glory, bro. I had to work. I mean, I, I was not given an opportunity at House of Glory for, for for free. You know, I'm I'm I went from literally setting up chairs, taking photos, filming segments, to to assisting with equipment and and i mean the bare bottom minimum stuff all the way up to interviewer ring announcer and then eventually the lead play-by-play guy i mean that's and that's within the span of four years just working and putting in the and putting in the time and and red and, and brian were i was already doing stuff in the business before i got there i really did, really didn't need to be there i i really wanted to be there and they didn't really need to have me. They wanted to have me there. That was what made the relationship so great between myself and House of Glory. You know, neither one really needed the other, but definitely wanted. I wanted to be there more than anything. I wanted to help House of Glory grow. House of Glory really wanted to help me grow as a performer. They made me a better performer. They made me better in the ring. They made me better in front of the camera. And more importantly, they gave me a better appreciation for this business. So even though I'm not with them, I will always be indebted to them. And, I, and I'm and i saying this uh, uh, to you guys as the fans to support this company. Uh, support them big time because they're a great company. They're making uh, a lot of noise right now. And there's a lot of guys in, in the Northeast scene right now who are, are making a name for themselves through this company. So the more support, the better. So that's, uh, again, I'll say it one last time, December 16th. At the NYC Arena, and uh, Ric Flair, Zack Zaber Jr., Caveman, Monty. I mean, other people are coming as well. Private Party, the House of Glory Crown Jewel Champion, uh, Evander James, who who's one of, I mean, just one of the top talents in the, in the city right now. I, I miss that guy. He he's one of the coolest bros of all time. Is uh, is Evander James? I know his attitude is a little bit much now. He wants everybody to trust him, and he's got that dastardly Matthew Ryan Shapiro in his corner. But uh, attitude or not, he's one of the best athletes uh, in the city right now. And uh, T.J. Marconi and and Big Brian Burgandy, you know the Masons. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, yes, I did just censor myself right now because I'm trying to be serious about this. There's a lot of stuff going on. Again, the meet and greets at 4 o'clock. Show will start at 6. And uh, it'll go on until question marks. So that is what's going on with that. So I had fun with this. This is episode 10. A lot of shit. A lot of shit. (laughs) 
many, many shits here at the Orsini's Uncensored Mind. So, episode 10 is in the books. I had fun. I'm going to finish this can off, and then I got some Chinese food waiting for me, and then I'm going to hit the hay. I'm going down. I'm going to take this. Ah, here we go. All right. Ooh, back just cracked. All right. So, that's episode 10, folks. I will be back next week with episode 11. Uh, update on the equipment. Black Friday might have been a success. So, definitely want to start doing some interviews. Definitely want to start having some other people on the show, getting some other voices. If there's someone you guys want me to interview or bring on to the show, please email me, ajorcd96host at gmail.com, or message me directly on Facebook um, or on the page, Twitter, or Instagram, or whatever. Just get the information to me. Who do you want to hear from? Who do you want me to talk to and bullshit with? And um, so just let me know. All right. Cool. So episode 10 is in the books. Peace. I'm out. Please listen to my daddy show. Please listen to my husband's show.